Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. 27th Psalm, verses 1 through 5. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. We thank you for your word, Father. We thank you, dear Father God, that it will go forth in power and demonstration of the resurrection of Jesus. I thank you that your spirit will bring forth wisdom and quicken it in the hearts of those that hear it, that they will walk in the light thereof in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Now, our study has been on what to do in a time of trouble, how to overcome trouble and adversity. This is the fifth lesson on the subject. And uh, just to reiterate a few points before we go on. We started out by saying that in the time of trouble, we're to know what the Father would do for us and what He said He would do for us in His Word. And verse 5 tells us He'll hide us in His pavilion. Or He'll be to us a refuge or a place of hiding or shelter in the time of trouble. Now, He said He'd do that for us. But we also said that the believer has a part to play in overcoming trouble and adversity. And his part to play... We saw in verse 1, which we haven't left yet, the Lord is my light, number one. Light stands for wisdom and guidance and direction, understanding and instruction. He's my light. You're to know that. Number two, the Lord is my salvation. Salvation meaning not only His Word system, salvation comes through the Word, but also the ministry of angels, which we all already discussed all of this in our previous lessons. Now, the third thing that the believer is to know is that the Lord is the strength of my life, which is where we ended in our last meeting. The Lord is the strength of my life. There are two sources of strength we found. Number one is the Word of God. We discussed that. For the Word tells us in Acts 20 and 32 that the Word is able to build us up or to make us strong. And we found in Ephesians 6 and 10 said, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And we found out that Hebrews first chapter verse 3 said that He upholds all things by the word of His power. So if the word could make you strong, and we're told to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might, if He upholds all things by the word of His power, then His strength is found in His word. You're only going to be as strong as the word lives in you and dwells in you. That's as strong you're going to be. So you're being strong in the Lord, not in yourself. Now, we said there are two parts to this strength of God. Number one is found in His Word, and nothing deviates from God's Word. But the second part also includes God's Word, but it's in another form. It's called praise. The joy of the Lord is my what? So strength is found in joy, in, joy, in praising God, right? It's not enough just to realize that the scripture in Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. We could quote that and quote that all you want. But what happens in a time of weakness? What happens when trouble is presented your way and it seems like weakness is in front of you? Then what do you do? You know, that's the hardest time to praise the Lord is when you're confronted with trouble and calamity. It comes your way and you're just seems like you're down and out. It seems like you're defeated. It, seem, it seems like... There's no hope. It seems like you're just weak. You're, you're not capable of seeing the other side or getting to the other side or climbing up the mountain, getting back on top. But the Word of God says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that's why James said, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Right? 
counted all strength. Matter of fact, look at that scripture. James 1. <coughs> and verse 2. <coughs> Count it all joy. But when did he say to count it all joy? When you're going to church and you got together with the saints and everybody started just shouting and praising God, then count it all joy because everything's going your way. Didn't say that. James was not inferring that. James here is writing to, actually he's writing to babes. If you really read over the, the chapter of the whole book, you'll find that he's writing, writing to babes. He says to us in verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Notice the temptations you fall into. Them. Uh, let me say this before I go any further. Do you know why we fall into them many times? Some people thought God was leading you into them, but He doesn't do that. You fall into them because the Lord is your light. And the Bible says, The Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And on the roadway of your life, there are many pitfalls. And when you walk out of the light in the darkness, sometimes you fall into temptations. Because, you see, you forgot that He was your light. And you didn't wait on the light. Had you wait, waited on the light and walked in His perfect instruction, we'd have missed a lot of things that we fell into because we didn't have the light. But praise God, He says, I'm still your deliverance. I'm your salvation, even though you fell into the ditch. So when you do fall into temptations and trials and troubles and testings of life, you know what He says to do? Count it all joy. That's right. Count it all joy. When you fall into these things. Because the joy of the Lord is your... And trouble presents weakness. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if the joy of the Lord is my strength, then in a time of trouble, I need to know how to draw from that strength. Now, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who infuses His inner strength into me. Right? That's part of how He does it. Which we're going to see in our study today. So this is the second part of... The Lord being our strength. Number one was through His Word. Number two is through praise. So let's take a look at Isaiah, the 35th chapter, verse 10. I wasn't going to get this in depth, but I figure since we're getting involved in teaching on what to do to prevent trouble and calamity and what to do when it actually comes to you, we might as well give you the escape. And might as well give you all the details as to how to get out of it. Notice Isaiah 35 and verse 10 says, And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs of everlasting what? Upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall what? See, sorrow and sighing is also presented in the time of trouble. I mean, you feel sorry for yourself. And you begin to walk around gloomy and sighing. And you know what's going on. Lord, you said you never leave me nor forsake me. But it seems like everybody's left me. It seems like everybody's turned their back on me. There's nobody to turn to in the time of trouble. What am I going to do? I asked this one for help and they couldn't help me. I called the pastor up he couldn't help me. I called this fellow up they couldn't help me. I called the counseling center up they couldn't help me. Dear God, dear God, what am I going to do? You know what he said? Count it all joy. Because I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We've got to learn to trust in the Lord, not in man. And I don't care if he's a man of God or not. You still can't put your trust in any man. Right? You've got to live your life for yourself in that, in that respect. We've got to learn to be dependent upon the Lord because he's a lot closer than the fellow down the street. Right? Okay. So, when sorrow and sighing come, which is a part of trouble, come into your house, sorrow and sighing comes with it. He said to remember that joy is upon your head. And if you'll count it all joy, you'll draw from His strength. As you draw from His strength, you'll be strengthened with His might, with His power. When you are, the sorrow and the sign shall flee away. It'll be gone. He'll be the glory and the lifter of your head. And your head will be lifted up ab above the trouble. Or it'll still be there, probably. But is it... Isn't it something, though, that even though trouble could be there, when you get your perspectives right, when you get yourself back into God's Word, you put your head up above that trouble and you stand upon the Word of God and finally it leaves also? 
But you see, when you get to, to a place that your head is hung down and sorrow and sighing, and you, you know when you're there. You know when you're just, woe is me. Right? You're having yourself a little pity party and trouble's all around you. And you don't know what to do. Well, here's what to do. Let's look at another scripture, then we'll go on to show you how. In the 61st chapter of Isaiah. You can count it all joy when everything is going right. But when trouble comes, do you still count it all joy? Do you still have that kick, spring in your walk? Coward to God, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. Or is your head hung down low? Yeah, I was a conqueror yesterday. You should have saw me yesterday, not today. And somebody called you up on the phone and said, Praise the Lord, brother. Jesus is Lord. The devil is defeated. Glory be to God. Jesus is exalted in the Father. Is magnified in heaven. You're sitting there going, Yeah. <laughs> Should have called me yesterday. See? Well, here's what you're going to do. You're going to learn how to handle this thing. 61st chapter. Let's just read verse 3. Talking about Jesus. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for that spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He might be glorified. Notice it's the garment of praise for that spirit of heaviness. That heaviness, beloved, is a spirit. And some people don't want to say, how am I going to get out from underneath this thing? And you won't get out from underneath that thing without anything but the joy of the Lord is being your strength. And the garment of praise for that spirit of heaviness. And not just for a second. I mean, you don't give up until that thing's gone. So that spiritual force that is over, over top of your life, and it seems like it's just weighing you down with that heaviness, is gone. And it flees from you. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Now, let's go to the 81st Psalm because I want to share with you some things to show you how this is part of your salvation or your deliverance from trouble. 81st Psalm is considered to be Israel's covenant of praise. Uh, I don't have time to, to get, give you an in-depth study on it because we did a seminar on this practically. I think we did about six or seven or eight lessons on praise itself. I'm going to give you only highlights so that you can grab a hold of some things. In the 81st Psalm, Beginning with verse 1, he says, Sing aloud unto God our strength. Our what? Sing aloud unto God our what? Yeah, Lord, I know you heard me. But you see, that's not what he's saying. Now, the word over here in the Hebrew means to shout. Just to get it all together and shout. Shout unto the Lord, He's your strength. And you need that strength in a time of trouble. I mean, when you're just high-stepping it and everything is going fine, you know, you're all right. But when the adversary comes and it seems like there's that spiritual stronghold over your life and you just can't seem to get out from underneath it, that's when it's time to shout unto the Lord your strength. And he goes on to say that if Israel would have done this, let's go over here and look. In verse 2, take a song. Bring hither a timbrel, the pleasant harp with the psaltery. Blow up the trumpet in the new moon in the time appointed on our solemn feast day. For this was a statute for Israel and the law of God of Jacob, of the God of Jacob. This he ordained in Joseph for a testimony when he went out to the land of Egypt where I heard a language that I understood not, probably other tongues. I removed his shoulder from the burden. His hands were delivered from the pots. Thou calledest in trouble and I delivered thee. Underline that. But I'm going to show you something better. And I answered thee in the secret place of thunder. I proved thee at the waters of Meribah Selah. Think about it. Hear, O my people, people, and I will testify unto thee, O Israel, if you will hearken unto me. Here's the call or the cry. If you'll listen to me about the covenant of praise, if you'll learn how to shout and just to begin to praise my name in the time of trouble, I'll be your strength. And he went on to say some great things that he would do. Let's read them and then we'll get into some other things. Verse 9, if you'll do it, there shall no strange God be where? In you. There will no strange God be in you. Not around you, but in you. Here's where I believe it's prophetic of, of speaking with other tongues and, and, and uh, glorifying the Lord in the Spirit. Worshipping Him with other tongues. There won't be any strange God. There ain't going to be no demon in you. 
No evil spirit in you when you begin to praise God with other tongues and worship Him in a language that you understood not. Neither shalt thou worship any strange God. You're not going to be worshiping no devil like people say today. People say those people filled with the Spirit speaking of the tongues, that's of the devil. It doesn't say that here, does it? It says there won't be one in you. But look what he went on to say. I am the Lord your God which brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Oh, I'll tell you something. My mouth has been filled with other tongues ever since the day I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And he just filled it. He just filled it. So I could praise him in a new language. So I could worship him in his own heavenly language. The Bible says he that uh, gives thanks in another tongue gives thanks well. So he that praises and worships the Father in another tongue, which I'm going to show you is scriptural, is doing it well. So you're going beyond your own intellect, but you're worshiping him in another tongue. But verse says, my people would not hearken to my voice and Israel would, would none of me. So I gave them up to their own heart's lust and they walked in their own conceit. Counsels. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel would walk and had walked in my ways. Look what he would have done in verse 14. I should have soon subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him, that their time should have endured forever. He should have fed them also with the finest of wheat and of honey out of the rock, should I have satisfied thee. He would have turned against their enemy. He would have turned against the adversary. He would have turned against all their trouble. And he would have defeated them right there before them while they were praising him and worshiping him. Now, you need to know this because strength is found as you worship and praise God. But let me show you something here in uh, the book of First Peter. Go to First Peter first and the book of Hebrews. We're going to see a couple of scriptures here. That's the old covenant. That was God's covenant with Israel as far as worship goes. Had they learned how to worship Him in the time of trouble and just glorify Him in the time of trouble and praise Him instead of murmur and complain, let me say this while you're looking. When you're approached by trouble, you could make, you have, well, you could respond two different ways. You could complain and murmur. Or you could worship and praise. You could complain and you could murmur. Or you could worship and praise. Now, most people, when trouble comes their way, the first thing they do is they begin to get upset, complain, and to murmur. Now, why did this happen to me? What am I going to do now? Oh, dear Lord, what am I going to do? And they start to murmur, they start to complain, and the Word of God teaches us that when you murmur and complain, you're murmuring and complaining against God. Because He said in the time of trouble and calamity, count it all joy. Begin to rejoice. And begin to praise Him because He is your strength. He is your refuge. He is your fortress. He is your God. He is your deliverer. And He's going to get you out of that trouble. But you already gave away your faith, or shall I say your fear, when you began to murmur and complain. The person that really knows that the Father is His refuge and fortress and God, when trouble comes, He just sits back and says, Glory to God. There's nothing on this earth that's greater than my God. Nothing stronger than Jehovah. I mean, let's just, let's just use some common sense. If Jehovah really is my strength, may I ask you who's stronger than Jehovah? And now He's become my strength? Look, either He is or He isn't. If He said He is and He isn't, then He lied. But what He's saying to us is we need to know and understand that He is our strength. And if we'll know and understand that in a time of trouble, it'll be automatic that you begin to praise and get happy. And excited. I'll tell you what, if I had somebody that was as strong as him, and if you, any of you got any brothers or sisters that did, did great things, you know, did your brother ever win the Heisman Trophy? You'd probably go off and brag to everybody, my brother won the Heisman Trophy. Yeah? See, and you'd brag about him. And say how great he is. What a great football player. But you know what? Jesus won in the game of life. He destroyed death. He rose a conqueror over death. And he got the trophy of trophies, the name that's above every other name, and he's my brother. Hallelujah. I'm going to brag about him a little. Oh, you know back there in the Psalm 136 where it says, Praise ye the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. And it goes on to say, He that made great lights, for his mercy endureth forever. He that rules the, the universe for his mercy. And he goes on to say, For his mercy endureth forever. I was back there meditating and I said, Well, Lord, 
They had that for the old covenant. And I know you did all those things. But I just want to praise you for your mercy endureth forever. Because, first of all, you redeemed me by the blood. For your mercy endured forever. Yes, and you delivered me from the powers of darkness. For your mercy endured forever. And translated me into the kingdom of the Son of your love. For your mercy endureth forever. And you gave to me of your spirit. For your mercy endureth forever. And raised me up and made me to sit together with him in heavenly places. For your mercy endureth forever. And make me always to triumph. For your mercy endureth forever. And made me more than a conqueror. For your mercy endureth forever. And made me a king and priest unto yourself. For your mercy endureth forever. We got something in the New Testament to shout about. Hallelujah. He didn't deliver us from Egypt. He delivers us from Satan. Amen? Oh, you talk about a deliverance. Glory be to God. This is the deliverance of all deliverance. Delivered from Satan's domain. Well, in 1 Peter 2, it says we're supposed to offer up a sacrifice. 2.5. Now, you remember that the Israelites had to offer up a sacrifice. It was an animal sacrifice. Right? Now, a sacrifice that they offered up had to be the best. He didn't just say, go and get the lousiest lamb you have in, in your flock. And offer that up. He said, get the best without spot, without blemish, and offer that up. The best. Right? So this sacrifice that they offered up was the best of what they had to offer. Alright? Let's look at 1 Peter 2, 5. You also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Underline that. We're to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Now go back and we'll show you what is Hebrews 13. We are to offer up spiritual sacrifices unto God. They offered up physical sacrifices. Animals were to offer up spiritual sacrifices unto God. Now in Hebrews 13, 15. By Him let us offer the sacrifice of what? Why did he say a sacrifice? Because in the time of trouble, you don't feel like it. In the time of trouble, it's, the last thing you want to do is praise God. When your world seems to be crumbling around you, the last thing you want to do is just lift up your hands and praise God. That's why he said they had to offer up the best sacrifice. Let me, let me say this to you and get it across to you clearly. What he's saying is the best sacrifice that we could offer because praise is the highest expression of your faith. The best faith sacrifice you can offer in the time of trouble is praise. Praise is the best sacrifice you could offer because it's the highest expression of your faith in the time of trouble. And you don't want to do it. But if you will, there's great benefits. Great benefits to the person. That will learn how to offer up and worship Him in spirit song sacrifices, hymns and spiritual songs, glorifying His name when it seems like trouble is about to just destroy you and take you under. Seems like you're like Peter out of the boat, standing there right on the water with the waves and the wind boisterous. And you're standing there all by yourself. But blessed be God when you begin to exercise your faith by giving praise and thanks to Him. His everlasting arms are underneath the whole jug. Amen? Amen. That's what Jesus did. Reached down and got it. Think about it. Go back to the book of Ephesians. <coughs> the fifth chapter. Yeah, when Peter began to sink, he cried out to the Lord. And the everlasting arms of the Father came down. And just got him out of that water. Lifted him right up where he should be. That's what he did. So in your time of trouble, if we'll learn how to offer the sacrifice of praise to him, then his strength will become our strength. Let's look at Ephesians, the fifth chapter, to show you that these are spiritual sacrifices. Verse 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves. How many of you talk to yourselves? How many of you speak to yourselves? In psalms. In hymns. In spiritual songs. Now, I'm not talking about reading from the book of Psalms. I'm not talking about that. 
These are spiritual sacrifices. He infuses His inner strength into you as you begin to sing and worship in spiritual sacrifices of praise from your own being. They didn't have all of what we have today as far as the writings of the Bible. What they had to do was offer up the sacrifice of praise with spiritual songs that were spontaneous, give, spontaneously given by the Holy Spirit in other tongues. See, some of you may not have known that. But that's what he's saying. They just began to worship God in other tongues and just lift up their voices in other tongues. And some of them came forth with songs, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs in other tongues. Amen? And as they did, verse 18 says that they were filled with the Spirit. And a better, more literal translation would be that they were being filled or be being filled. They were continually being filled with, see, as they did this. So to be continually being filled with is saying to you and to me is that His strength is being infused in our inward being as we begin to do this. And as we continue to do it. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And the next verse said, <coughs> verse 20, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus. So if you read it together, he's saying a person could actually be drunk in the Spirit. Drunk in the Spirit. As he begins to worship God in other tongues. And bring forth out of his inner being psalms and hymns and spiritual songs of praise unto the Father. You see, his strength is infused in your inward being. And it just begins to pour forth out of you. And you exchange your strength for God's strength. His strength becomes your strength until you blow out that enemy. Paul did that in, Paul and Silas did that in prison. When they were in prison. They begin to worship the Lord and sing praises unto God. Remember? At midnight, they were in stocks and bonds. Their backs were bleeding. And all they did was, no, they didn't call for the, you know, local help somewhere. They didn't call the pastor. They didn't call the layman or the elders. They called upon Jehovah. They lifted up their voices to God together with their backs bleeding as they were, as far as they could reach being in stocks and being there in the prison house. And they began to praise and worship the Father. And as they did, His strength was infused into their inward being. And it began to get stronger and stronger and greater and greater till finally the glory of it all just blew open the jailhouse. Prison doors blew open. They learned to draw from the strength of God. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to show you some things so you can learn how to do this. And we're going to use some of the Old Testament to show you, but we're going to incorporate it into our New Testament believing. Let's go back to the book of Psalms and the 63rd Psalm. And... I want you to write these down because I won't have time to give you an in-depth teaching on each one of these. But these are Hebrew words for praise, which I covered quite some time ago in uh, a series of teachings, which I'm going to endeavor to get across to you this morning to show you the place praise and worship holds in the life of the believer and show you the different aspects of uh, praise. How you can express yourself to the Father. Now, the first word I want you to write down is Yada. It's Y-A-D-A-H. In the 63rd Psalm, again, we sing these psalms and worship with them, but sometimes I think we miss what the psalmist is really saying. In the third verse, fourth verse rather, you'll find the uh, phrase... I will lift up my hands. Now, just write in your Bible there that word, yada, Y-A-D-A-H. Now, that word implies the lifting up of your hands or the extending of your physical being in worship to God. Some people say, well, then people lift up their hands. 
Now, some of you, when you first got saved, you may have been ashamed to do that. And wondered why they lift up their hands to praise God. You know, in some churches, even today, they don't, they, even, even in our so-called Christian churches, don't want music in the church. Which will show you by the Word of God that it's not true. Involved in worship. Physically involved. Not just with your mouth, but physically lifting up your hands to God. Lifting up your hands and praising Him. He said, I will lift up my hands unto the Lord. It's usually translated that way. Praise, sometimes it's translated praise or praising. But it infers most of the time the lifting up of the hands. So, write that down. Y-A-D-A-H. And there's your scriptural reference. I'll give you one more. Do you remember we said... In, let's go to 141st Psalm. Do you remember we said that the believer is to offer up the sacrifice of praise? Whereas under the Old Covenant, they offered up sacrifices of animals. But the believer is to offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Well, look at the 141st Psalm in verse 2. You'll find the same word again. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands. Write that yada. Y-A-D-A-H. Right there. As the evening sacrifice. So, in other words, the lifting up of your hands unto the Father is a sacrifice. It should be the evening sacrifice. The lifting up of your hands is the evening sacrifice. So, this word here implies the lifting up of your hands to worship the Father, which is a part of our praise to the Father. Now, let's look at another one. The word is toda, T-O-W-D-A-H. T-O-W-D-A-H. And it means to agree with or to extend yourself in agreement. Like if someone will say, Brother, do you agree with me on something? I'll say yes. And I'll stretch out my hand and say, Yes, we agree in Jesus' name. I'll shake hands with them or we'll join our hands together. Well, it implies then that you are stretching forth your hand to God saying, I agree with your word. And this word in its implication means to us something that you agree to before you ever see. I agree it's true even though I haven't seen it. That's what it means. But if you were just looking up in our translation, you would just find the word praise or thanksgiving. So all through the Psalms you'll find these praise, praise, thanksgiving... And you're thinking only in terms of one kind of praise, but you see there are many different kinds. This word implies you extend your hand in agreement. I accept that which I do not see because you said it in your word. I agree with you, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, let's show you uh, some scripture. Jeremiah, the 33rd chapter. See, the faith walk is not new at all. It's just been uncovered. You see? The faith walk is not new. It's just been uncovered. In the 33rd chapter of the book of Isaiah, I'm sorry, Jeremiah. Jeremiah. In verse 11, I want you to note that the sacrifice of Toda will come first. In other words, you have sacrificed this kind of sacrifice of praise in extending yourself in agreeing with God that you have your answer before you see it. The sacrifice comes first. The deliverance comes after. Let's look at Jeremiah here, 33:11. The voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of them that shall say, Praise the Lord! Of hosts, for the Lord is good, for His mercy endureth forever. And of them that shall bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. That's the word toda. For I will cause to return the captivity of the Lord, uh, of the land, as at the first saith the Lord. Now listen. Do you remember when Jehoshaphat sent out those singers? 
And do you remember most of the time when Israel was ever delivered from the hand of the enemy, they praised first? They worshipped first? Jehoshaphat sent singers out to praise and worship the Lord for His mercy endureth forever. You talk about a sacrifice? A few men going out to meet a few armies with worship and praise? Who fought for them when they went out and worshipped and praised first? And destroyed all the armies that were set against them, right? So you see, this is saying to us is that we must have enough faith in God to believe that He is fighting the battle to such an extent that we have actually yielded to Him and began to rejoice for the answer and agree to the fact that we got the victory before we ever see one enemy leave. And when you do that, He says, I'll cause the enemy to run. Look at the 17th chapter of Jeremiah, verse 26. To show you it's the same, it infers the same thing. Seventeen twenty six gives you the same phrase here, same word. And they shall come from the cities of Judah, and from the places about Jerusalem, and from the land of Benjamin, and from the plain, and from the mountains, and from the south, bringing burnt offerings, and sacrifices, and meat offerings, and incense, and bringing sacrifices of praise unto the house of the Lord. Now, keep that thought in mind and turn to the 69th Psalm. I want to show you something. This is inferring the same thing, that they'll come to the house of the Lord, bringing burnt offerings, sacrifices, lambs, and all those bullocks and everything, and so on and so forth. But in the 69th Psalm, we find the same word used here, And the psalmist got some insight as to how to please the Lord better than burnt offerings. In the 30th verse. Verse 30 and verse 31. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify Him with thanksgiving. See, it's the same word here. I will praise Him with the song with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath horns and hoofs. The humble shall see this and be glad, and your heart shall live that seek God. Now what he's saying here is that this kind of a sacrifice bringing to the Lord before you ever see the results of His power, of Him working on your side, being your strength to deliver you, it's a sacrifice that you make Extending yourself. Really, I said extend the hand or extend yourself in agreement. But you are extending yourself to such a way that you put yourself out in the water. You put yourself out of the boat. I mean, if you fall, friend, it's a hard fall. Let me say this. When you walk by faith, it doesn't mean you've got some second choice waiting if God doesn't help you. It means you have stuck out your neck beyond the natural. You got out of your boat and you are on the water. Now what are you going to do? That's exactly where faith works. Friends, let me say this. Faith doesn't work in the boat. Faith works on the water. And when you extend yourself to agree with God's Word, you better believe that the circumstances around you will dictate to you, you can't walk on water. And you'll say, Jehovah is my strength. And I'm standing on the rock. And I will not be moved. And His everlasting arms are beneath me to hold me up. And anybody can walk on Jehovah's everlasting arms. Because He'll never let you fall. But that's where faith works. That's what this sacrifice does. And it's better than burnt offerings. It is. Let's go to the next one. Go back to the 63rd Psalm. And the word is Shabbat, S-H-A-B-A-C-H. And it means to shout. It means to shout with a loud voice. To shout with a loud voice. 
a voice of triumph. That's exactly what it means. Shout with a loud voice. It means to praise glory. It means triumph. Now, over here again, this Psalm of David. In verse 3, he said, Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. That phrase right there, Shabbat, write that in there. What he was saying was, I am offering up my mouth, my lips, my voice, to shout praises unto thee. And he meant shout too. See, that's what that word implies. Sometimes you've got to shout at the devil. How many of you knew you got to that point, finally you just turned on and said, you just had enough of it and said, look. And you just begin to shout and praise God and worship God. To yield your voice in shouting and praising God, it's a voice of triumph. Also, well, hold your place there because we're going to get right back to it. But I'm going to give you one more scripture. How many of you would like to see your finances prosper? Abundantly. 35th Psalm. Verse 27. Here's what you got to do. I mean, you ready? For abundant prosperity? Same word. Write it in there. Let them shout for joy. Write your word in there. Shabbat. Let them shout for joy. Notice the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you want joy, you've got to shout for it. We sing the song. But do we do what it implies? 35th Psalm, verse 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say how often? Are you ready to say it now? Let the Lord be magnified which hath pleasure in the prosperity of His servants. Say that with me. Let the Lord be magnified which hath pleasure prosperity of His servants. What do you say about your finances? What do you say about your prosperity? He said start shouting for joy. And continually say. He didn't say when the bill comes, how are we going to pay this bill? And murmur and complain and start griping about it. You know, the Bible says he, he provides all our needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And some of us think that those riches are bankrupt. But He supplies our need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And if that's nothing to shout about, you didn't wear your shouting clothes. Amen. Isn't that right? Amen. It's time to shout about it. Amen. You know, you find people with their heads down about finances. I'd say the most difficult area for the Christian believer is in the area of finances. You know why? They always complain about it. But he said, start shouting. You going to do it? You going to do it? Next time your wife wants those pair of shoes or something she needs, stop complaining and start shouting. Yeah! I continue to say. Some of you probably continually have to say. I continue. I continually say. The Lord delights and has pleasure in the prosperity of His servants. And I thank God that I'm His servant. And I thank God I'm His son. And I thank God He supplies all my need according to His riches and glory of Christ Jesus. And start shouting about it. And stop complaining about it. And you watch He'll provide your every need. Murmuring and complaining won't give you His strength. But rejoicing in it. Now let's go back to that Psalm 63 because I want to get you another word. So it doesn't mean to do it lightly, but it means to shout. Shout about it. Some, you know, you've been talking so negative about your finances for so long, he says, you better start shouting now. Just get all excited about it and start shouting about it. But let's look at another word. B-A-R-A-K. Barak. 
And it means to bless or to kneel in adoration. To bless or to kneel in adoration or to bow before the Lord. To bow, to bless, to kneel in adoration before the Lord. In the 63rd Psalm, to get the full understanding what David is saying, let's start reading with verse 1. He says, O God, but I like to say, Heavenly Father, Thou art my God. Early will I seek Thee, my soul thirsteth for Thee, my flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see Your power and Your glory. Not to get Cadillacs and houses. Don't incorporate that into the faith walk. Those things come because God wants us to prosper. But I'm not interested in, in that kind of prosperity in a sense that that comes before God. That's wrong. David wanted to see the glory of the Lord. Solomon wanted his wisdom and he got all the other things added to him. But he wanted to see his power and his glory as he saw in the sanctuary. You know, that's where the glory of the God was back then. Now he's off in the wilderness. and He hadn't seen it in a long time. He's, a, he's running. His enemies are trying to kill him. But he goes on in verse 3 to say, see, he's hungry to see the glory of the Lord. Because your loving kindness is better than life. Now here we start. My lips are going to shout. Shabbat. I am going to start to shout with my mouth. Then he goes on to say, Thus will I bow before you in adoration and kneel before you. Thus will I bless you. And then I will lift up my hands. Yada. I'll extend my hands. So in this one psalm, he said, I'm going to shout for glory. I'm going to shout the voice of triumph. I'm going to fall to my knees. All in one motion. Shout. Bow. Fall. Kneel. And lift up my hands. See? That's all of what he was saying in that one song. And beloved... When you do that before the Lord with the right attitude of heart, you better believe that He becomes the strength of your life. He'll withstand any, any foe that would come your way. When your heart is prepared before Him, He'll show your, Himself strong on your behalf. That's what He's saying here. That's what He's in, inferring to us. I wish we had more time to spend on this one, but let's just look at one more scripture, 103rd Psalm. I, I don't, we sing it all the time, but I, I wonder if we've ever got to the depths of it. In verse 1, the word bless is that same word barak. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Now, I want you to see, as he says this, he's on his knees. He's bowing before his Father. He may be on his face, but he's kneeling in adoration and respect to his Heavenly Father. And as he's on his knees, he says, that's not enough. It's not enough that my body is on my knees before the Lord. See, that's not enough. Some of us think that that's all right if we got on our knees before the Lord. That's not enough. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Every fiber of my being, everything that's in me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and don't forget one of His benefits. And the next one is enough, and would have been enough, who forgiveth all my iniquities. If you haven't been on your knees before God recently, you have forgotten that He's forgiven you of all your iniquity. 
that should be a cause for every believer to bow his knee to the Almighty Father. Father, you've forgiven all mine iniquity. Then he said, you healeth all my diseases. Then he said, you redeem my life from destruction. And if that's not enough, you crown me with loving kindness and tender mercies. Which would be enough. But you satisfy my mouth with good things that even my youth is renewed like the eagles. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Words are not enough. The physical body kneeling is not enough. It's the entire makeup of man in perfect humility before the Father acknowledging His mercy and His loving kindness. That's part of praise, but it's worship before the Father. Look at the benefits. Next one. Z-A-M-A-R. Samar. Samar. Z-A-M-A-R. It means to sing with an instrument or to celebrate praise. Let's go to the 150th Psalm and we'll just give it to you. One fifty, And in this psalm, which is the psalm of praise, the word samar is implied. It's used throughout all the psalm. Here's the psalm that will tell you if your church does not believe in music, that it's wrong. I'm sorry to say. Samar. Praise you the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Where? Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Now, this word praise is not just meaning just say it. It means, well, let's go on and see what it means. According to His excellent greatness, praise Him with the sound of a trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. And what he's saying is, have yourself one hallelujah party with every known instrument and sound them together in the highest form of praise to the Almighty God. That's what he's saying in this word, some are. So next time trouble comes your way, you might want to get on the phone and say, look, bring your instrument over. Get out that old trumpet and dust it off. Bring it on over. That's right. Well, I want to get this in, so let's go to the next one. Number six is Halal. H-A-L-A-L. H-A-L-A-L. Halal. It means to boast or to rave about. To boast. It, it's not translated like praise or thanksgiving or worship, but it means to describe or to celebrate. To describe the goodness of God, the glory of God, the worthiness of God, the majesty of God. To describe it with words. Not just in praise. But to describe it with words. Go to the 104th Psalm real quick. And I'll just give you a very quick breakdown and we'll get our last word in. 104th Psalm describes the creative power of God. His creative power. 104th Psalm describes it. You see these words that are put together to describe it. And you can go on and read right on through there and you'll find out that it begins to describe. Verse 19. He appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knoweth his going down. You made the darkness and it is night. Wherein all the beasts of the forest do creep forth. And you go on and find out that it's boasting. I'm not just going to boast. That my, you know, I used to boast so much about my dad. He, he could do such... Wonderful carpentry work and that sort of thing and tell everybody. But if you want to boast about somebody, your father, your father created the universe. He hung the moon and the stars and the sun. He set the waters upon the earth and told them where to stop and said, stop right there. Created us. That's what this is doing. 
So that's part of your praise to the Father. Is praising Him and worshiping Him by being descriptive of His greatness and all the works of His hands. 105th Psalm describes His faithfulness. And the 106th Psalm celebrates His endless mercy. You just, you just might, might want to write that down. And then you can meditate on it yourself. But it celebrates His endless mercy. Now, the hollow was divided into three sections. That's the first one. The second one is found in 111th Psalm, right through 113th Psalm. It's called the Egyptian hollow. You can read it for yourself. It des describes their deliverance from the Egyptian bondage. Then the 115th Psalm. 115 through 118 is called the Great Hollow. It's the third section. It celebrates total deliverance. Write that down. <coughs> Write it down. Celebrates total deliverance. Total. Now that's something that you've got to get into. Read that. It celebrates total deliverance. So those are three sections of the Hallel. It's where we get our word Hallelujah. Read them over, meditate on them. For in the time of trouble, there is deliverance. As you talk about His greatness, as you talk about His goodness, as you celebrate His endless mercy, as you celebrate total deliverance. So you've got to build that into you. The last word is Tilah. T-E-H-I-L-L-A-H. T-E-H-I-L-L-A-H. And this word, you need to write this down. This word that's used here, let's turn to the 23rd Psalm, 22nd Psalm first, we'll write it down. Is why the joy of the Lord is your strength, and it's when the joy of the Lord becomes your strength. Tyla is when your spirit contacts God. Tyla is the... It means to sing halal. Is exactly what its definition is. And halal meant to describe God's greatness and His faithfulness and His mercy and celebrate total deliverance. Tyla means to sing it. To sing about all this. In the 22nd Psalm and verse 3... You'll find the word right here. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises, Tyla, of his people, of Israel. All right, now listen. Tyla is the extension of praise from your spirit. The extension of praise from your spirit. Not your mouth, but from your spirit. Okay? Of that which has become light in your spirit. It's an extension of praise from your spirit of that which has become light in your spirit. By faith, you worship and praise disregarding mental and physical circumstances. Now, to put that all together... Tyla is the praise that the Father inhabits. He doesn't just inhabit all praises, as we try to seem to think that He does. In this sense, I'm talking about, I'm sure He's moved by our worship. Tyla, as He's saying here, is when the Father comes into those praises and actually manifests His very person through that praise. It's when your spirit contacts His spirit through the light that's in your spirit. It's not your mouth. It's not your head. But it's actually your spirit and His spirit uniting together as one. His strength becomes your strength because He is living in that praise. You disregard your mind. You disregard your body. You don't care what anybody else is saying. It comes up out of your spirit and you make contact with the Creator. The Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, they actually manifest themselves in it and live right in it. And I'll just close by giving you this scripture. 2 Chronicles 5, 5, verse 11 through 14. 
is when the priests and the trumpeters were all together to lift their voices to God with one accord. And when they did, shouting and saying, For he is good, his mercy endureth forever. Then the Lord, the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle and they all could not stand up underneath the glory of God because God was in the tabernacle. You are the tabernacle. We'll have to close it right there. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.